Midwest Film Nids podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Willie. And uh, where's little, Nick? Yeah, where's Nick? Where did he go? Where Nick's, is that Nick guy? Nick is off on assignment. Yeah, he is. Maybe I don't know. He said he'd be here in his astral form. Yes. So. So I'm assuming he's in this chair to just the left of me. Yeah, we'll turn it yeah. over to him when we want his comments on something, and yeah, maybe, absolutely. Maybe he can chime in. He'll just appear on the recording, like in the white hunters, noise. You know, yeah. he'll be like that Michael Keaton movie where he's like, <laughs> "Hey, is that my dead wife?" <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert. Anyway, um, yeah, we're gonna be doing the usual thing, except minus Nick. Uh, this week we're not doing a recent release. We decided to go back uh, in honor of Shane Black directing and writing Iron Man 3. Heck uh, yeah. We've gone back to Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is his directorial well, directorial debut. Yes. And also starring Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. So uh, we'll get into that. That's our full review this week. But uh, we're going to start up with what we've been watching. So, Willie, what have you been watching? Um, I've been watching a few movies. Um, I watched Side by Side, which just came out today <laughs> on like official dvd channel it, it, i watched it on amazon prime okay back when i did okay it was kind of like a uh a video on demand release thing because it never sure. got an official release but was it ever in theaters no i think it just showed it was at sundance last film year festivals or and like, yeah, yeah like some film it, it seemed like the kind of thing that would do the festival circuit and that was yeah probably but i mean it's it's very cool i we've talked about it before way earlier on in the podcast for those that don't know it's um kind of hosted by keanu reeves he didn't direct it but he's 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 kind of the voice yeah i know he produced it as well um and it's about the comparison between um traditional film and digital yes um as a means of making movies so what he does is he interviews a ton of directors i Mm -hmm. mean everyone from james cameron to christopher nolan to steven soderbergh yeah i mean everybody and um they just kind of talk about their preferences and you get a little bit of history on on both you know like kind of the evolution of of where things went it's very cool and it's i don't think it takes a major um i think it takes somebody with an interest in film in the work that goes into making a movie to to enjoy it but i don't think you need to be um, technically proficient in yeah. film because I I'm not yeah I, I mean I you know I, I mean I know that there is a difference between the two I get the basic gist of it but mm-hmm. I didn't I I never felt bored with it I never felt like anything was going way over my head they explained anything that needs to be explained I mean it's yeah. very cool it's it's certainly a very cool movie if you've ever had any sort of inkling to learn a little bit more about what goes into filming a movie like mm-hmm. what what the camera is doing it's really kind of an interesting. Uh, documentary to watch and uh you know a point that i think you might have brought up or i i remember bringing it up when i was talking about it is that the movie remains completely impartial it does the whole way through and i i love that in documentaries yeah i that's one thing that i i i stand firm on with documentaries is that i want the i want both sides of the argument because that's a Mm -hmm. true documentary yeah I mean, there are o- there's always an opposing side to any argument, so you have to at least give that opposing side a chance to say what they want to say, and it's very split down the middle. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have no idea what the filmmaker prefers, what the director. I don't know the director's name. But yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what the director prefers. Yeah. I don't know what Keanu prefers. <laughs> nope. Um, <laughs> I know he likes eating sandwiches on park benches <laughs> by himself. Cupcakes. Yeah, he's a big fan. Was it a cupcake? Is that what it was? I think both. Actually. I think it was a panini. <laughs> 
I feel like he's a panini kind of guy. Yeah, um, maybe. <laughs> but no, um, you don't. There's no major sense um, of anybody who's actually making this documentary of what they prefer. Yeah. Um, Christopher Keneally. Yeah. That's the director. Thank you, Alex, for pulling that up. We'll see if he is of other um, fame. Yeah, perhaps he is. Um, but the the only real major view you get, um, as far as an opinion is from the directors they interview. Yeah. And even then, some of them are very, some of them have, have very much embraced digital, mm-hmm. but started off doing other things. I mean, um, Soderbergh being one, yeah. I believe he talks about how when he caught wind of digital, it was like, it changed his life. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it, it, you can just, he was like, I'd never go back in yep. a million years. And there's other guys like Tarantino, who's not interviewed, but <clears throat> I know Tarantino has been quoted about his feelings towards digital and he's yeah. not a fan. Yeah. So he's, like, he's basically like, as soon as I can't get film anymore, I'm done making movies. Yeah. He's really opposed to it, but he did touch digital with Sin City. So who knows? There could be. Well, he directed that one scene in Sin City when yeah. Rodriguez convinced him, give it a shot. And he was probably like, Ooh. <laughs> Rodriguez, what have you done? <laughs> anyway, so very cool. Um, it's probably not incredibly hard to get a hold of if you really want to get a hold of it. Yeah, so. I mean, it's on uh, it's on Amazon. You can rent it or, or watch it, you know, rent it or own it digitally like that. Um, and it's bound for Netflix. It, yeah. it feels like a total Netflix It'll edition at some point. It'll be there at some, at some point. point if yep. it's not there already. So. so if you're feeling impatient, you don't want to pay any extra money for it, then probably just wait if yeah. you have a Netflix account. If you don't, then I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh-huh. What, what else have you been watching? I have, uh, last night I watched two movies. Uh, my fiance and I like to rent giant stacks of Blu-rays. Oh, yeah. And we maybe watch like two out of ten of them. Yeah. But, you know, like, they're there. They're just sitting it, in a pile. It happens when you work at a video store. Absolutely. Um, and in this case, we had a pretty solid stack of movies. <clears throat> and we decided to go with Killer Joe, starring Matthew McConaughey and Emile Hirsch. Okay. Um, directed by William Friedkin of The Exorcist fame. Okay. Um, it is based on a play by the same playwright of Bug, with Ashley Judd and Michael Shannon. Okay. Which was released in like 07 or 06, somewhere in there. Um, but it, that was also a William Friedkin film. Anyway, so this is the reteaming. Yeah. It's really bad. <laughs> it's really, really, really bad. I mean... It's described as a dark comedy. There was n- almost nothing funny about it to me. What is it about? It's just um, it's about a redneck family that live in a trailer that become kind of uh, intertwined with this hitman slash cop named Killer Joe, Killer Joe yeah. played by McConaughey, and it's all about them him agreeing to do a contract to take out a hit on uh, the mother of Emil Hirsch, and I won't say anything more for those who actually. <laughs> would still actually want to see it after me <laughs> talking about it like this, but it's really bad. I mean, from beginning to end, the only thing I can say about the movie was that McConaughey was super scenery-chewing. Oh, as as always. Super scenery-chewing. But any movie that features a simulated blowjob <laughs> on a turkey drumstick, <laughs> chicken drumstick, I'm sorry, is not for me, personally. Yeah, it was weird. I'm glad that doesn't fit into your uh, no into your tastes. No, as a, as a moviegoer. No, I, I I like chicken. I like drumsticks. I don't like simulated oral I'm, sex. On I drumsticks. wonder. I wonder if there are other movies in that category. Oh, I'm sure. I don't really want to know, but mm. it'd be that's like <laughs> on, on Doug Benson's podcast. He plays the um, the. Uh, Leonard Malton game, which he goes through Leonard Malton's reviews, and he usually comes up with categories. 
Oh no. That give you an idea as to what's in the movie. Like uh uh he'll do things just like crazy things that's some sort of pun on an actor's name and it'll be like the movies of this actor. Oh, okay. And I feel like there would be one that would basically be like, these are movies that have simulated blowjobs on drumsticks. <laughs> or just poultry in general, you <laughs> yeah. know? But yeah. we could broaden it a little bit. Yeah. It's not good. Um, and then the second movie we watched was Pitch Perfect, um, which is a movie about an acapella I, I dance academy. I previously brought this one up on an episode. I okay. Wonder, I wonder your thoughts. Um, it's really not bad. It's not a bad movie. It's no, honestly, like it's actually pretty funny. Um, the humor's actually, it doesn't, it doesn't try to like pander too much to like the audience. And I, I mean, obviously, the audience for a movie like this is probably teenage girls. I yeah. mean, that's just throw right out there. Yeah. Um, I was not the target audience, but I knew that Nikki would like it. So, okay. But honestly, I mean, it's the, the one. I mean, I'm not nuts about the music, for the most part. There's a couple cool choices in there. Mostly, it's just garbage, current yeah. pop, Miley Cyrus stuff. Yeah. But um, everybody's pretty funny in it. I mean, I, I thought everybody did a good job, actually. I mean, making me laugh for the most part. And um, the one other complaint I have is uh, Rebel Wilson. Um, uh, look, we get it. You're a funny, heavy set female. There have been plenty of funny, heavy set females in Hollywood, but not every joke you make has to do with you being heavy set. Not everyone. Yeah. You don't need to keep reminding us that you're heavy. Yeah. That's okay. We're okay with that. Just be funny in other ways. That, that was really frustrating for me. Maybe she'll learn that lesson at some point. I think, like, I've only seen her... I've seen her something else, too. Uh, what to expect when you're expecting. I think she's mm. in that, too. And I think there's, like, a lot of weird fat jokes probably, in that, too. Probably, yeah. And I'm just like, guys... She's, it's probably more likely that she's typecast than it is that that's all she will do. Oh, I'm do, sure. I'm but sure. But but it frustrates me. Yeah. And it just... It's, it's just cheap. You know what I mean? But for the most part, honestly, I... I didn't think it was a horrible movie. Okay. It totally works for what it's aiming for. You know what I'm saying? And I, I mean, I've seen, admittedly, I've seen Bring It On and Mean Girls and some of the other stuff that's similar to oh, this vein. Mean, mean Girls. That, that's the, I, mean that's girls the cream really, of the crop. Yeah, it exceeds That's the that. cream of the crop for teenage girl movies, okay? Yeah. I mean, that and Clueless, let's be honest. Clueless is awesome. <laughs> I've never seen Clueless. Oh, young Paul Rudd. I Come know, on now. I know, I know. Tenderness. I Tenderness, general public, It'll Alex. All right, okay, all right, all right. but no. What did you think about Pitch Perfect? I'm just curious. Uh, I believe I spoke about this movie. I just thought of this now. Uh, last time we had uh, number one fan of the show, the Van Damsel, Tim Long, on. Oh, okay. When we reviewed Argo back in October, because uh, I saw it up north with uh, Brittany. That's right. In in Timothy's hometown, and. Uh, I really hated the movie. <laughs> like it was, I I was not a fan. And I'll tell I'll tell you right now, Elizabeth Banks and John Michael Higgins are the best part about that movie, in my opinion. Just like the the weird banter, banter, bickering, yeah, it's not bickering, yeah. Um, but I don't know. Like you said, I didn't enjoy the music at all. And I really I love Anna Kendrick, and Britney Snow's pretty hot. Yeah. And I enjoyed a, a lot of the people that were in it, but for some reason it just didn't. It didn't click. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, certainly for me, I, I mean, I believe me, I'm never gonna watch it again. Yeah. But I went into it, and I'm sure you and probably did the same anyway. But I went into it totally expecting I'm gonna loathe this thing, like I'm gonna be miserable the whole time I'm watching this, and 
it surprised me. As I, far as I, I making probably me laugh. just really wanted to hate the movie, and I ended up hating the movie, and that's really fair know, enough. I can fair enough. You know, that's that's what happened. But I mean. There are people out there that really, really love the movie. It's been very popular at the video store. I, I will just, say that. I don't, you know. There, there are people out there who aren't teenage girls who really love that movie. It, yeah? And I don't get it, but, but hey, you know, if, it's, if it's what you like. To each his own. Like. Yeah, exactly. Different strokes for different folks, right? Exactly. Um, what have you been watching? I The only thing that I really watched this weekend, uh, Netflix <laughs> just uh, released their first... TV series that they have produced themselves. It's it's an original. You can only get it on Netflix. You show. can only get it on Netflix. Um, it's called House of Cards, directed and produced by David Fincher, Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey starring. Um, they I think it's uh, kind of a remake of a British show. Okay. Um, that had to do with the House of Parliament, but obviously over here it's going to be the White House right. and Congress and that kind right. of thing. Um. And we we could kind of talk about the implications of Netflix having their own series like this. Like, uh, they're also doing the same thing with Arrested Development now. Which is a big deal. It's a very big deal. And um, the interesting thing is, the thing that everybody's talking about is the fact that they decided to dump this 10, 13 episode TV show, all episodes out, one day, and you just watch it at your leisure. And... It's really kind of interesting. There are pros and cons to The both. entire season is online the right now? The whole first season is online. You can watch the first episode for free, which is what I did. Mm-hmm. But um, the, the whole season is up on Netflix. The, it was available... Uh, excuse me. I think it was available on Friday. Okay. And, you know, you could go and see episode one through episode whatever. 10, 13. Interesting. Um, now, does it... As far as um, for net Netflix subscribers, you just have to have a subscription to watch this, right? Yep. So there's no. It's not like they're trying to charge you a buck an episode nope. on top of your. Nope. You're not. That, nobody. You don't have to pay anything in addition to that's your Netflix cool. subscription. That it's, is very cool. Yeah. And, and I, I, I'm the only thing I'm wondering is is a home video release. Are, is that something they'll even do? I. Um, I would think they would, but. To tell you the truth, I think Netflix would leave it up to the production company. Okay. I don't, I, I, it, maybe, maybe not, maybe Netflix, Netflix is set out right, no way, there's no other way you can watch this, this show, you have to watch it on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I will, I'll just say, uh, Kevin Spacey plays, uh, a, a, a congressman who basically was, uh, it's at the turnover for a presidency, like somebody is newly elected and he was promised the Secretary of State, and it turns out that the president goes back on his word and basically kevin spacey makes it his goal to uh basically ruin the presidency by you know sabotaging certain aspects of it interesting um and that's kind of thing like the whole putting it all out on one day is very it's got pros and cons for both the viewer and the company yeah for you and me it's kind of well mostly for you and me it's a plus it's like we don't have to sit here and wait week by week to watch the whole thing and, and i have i have recently come to an epiphany as well in regards to that mm-hmm. i have decided that i am not the kind of television viewer that can do week to week yeah with dramatic shows yeah. i can't do it yeah and i think that that has the week to week thing has hurt my the enjoyment of me for for me of things like walking dead 
Okay. I honestly do. You think if you, yeah, I mean, I think if I marathon the whole, like if you would have watched season two of The Walking Dead all at once, then it wouldn't have seemed as bad because it wouldn't have been months of sitting at the farm. No, it would have been a couple days of me watching it. That's an interesting way to put it. It is, and I and so on one hand, I think this is very cool because I don't have to week wait week after week after week for the show. On the other hand, the turnover is going to be weird. Well, that's the thing, is that if you watch this all in two weeks, you're going to have to wait, like, if they're going to do a season two, which they most likely are. I, Well, I shouldn't say that, because we don't really know. We don't even know what Netflix's metric is for actually figuring out if the show was a hit and whether or not it makes sense for them to do I mean, it's certainly they're just going to watch the amount of streams that each episode has and see. Yeah, and I, you know, maybe they have a way to view how many people subscribe just to watch the show. If that's even, if that, if there are even that many people doing it, which I'm yeah. sure there are some. Yeah. But um, if they go and do a season two, you're waiting. I mean, you watch House of Cards one week in the year. You're waiting a whole another year to watch a week's worth of House of a Cards. A week's worth of House of Cards. It's. Very interesting proposition, and uh, and on the business side of it, think about if you're running a TV show mm-hmm. and you put an episode out every week, you've got people like, you know, people on EW and all the regular websites reviewing your show every week, talking about it. If it's yeah. a really good show, you get really good buzz for like 13 a- weeks absolutely. in a row. yeah. And then on top of that, if you're Netflix and say two years from now, one year from now even, they have four TV shows that they're doing on their own. Original programming, yeah. If they kind of stagger them like that, you could have, like, you give people a reason to hold on to their Netflix. Mm -hmm. Not that anybody's canceling their $8 a month subscription in between watching things that they want to watch. Yeah. But if you love House of Cards and you love Arrested Development and you want to be there to see the next season and they're doing an episode every week, that could that could get some people to start a Netflix subscription and hold on to it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean... It's cool. I think that it's... I think that something like... I didn't realize they were doing the whole season. Just, boom, yeah. here you go, guys. And that's, that's, a, that's what they said they are going to do for Arrested Development as well. And that's very interesting. And I think that this is going to be um, not a huge gamble necessarily, but... I think it's going to to be quite the test for them. It could be. To see yeah. if this format works. Yeah. Um I think Arrested Development's gonna do gangbusters though. I I there are many people that I know who are going to get a Netflix subscription Just to for Arrested watch Development. Arrested be- Development. Because Arrested Development has such a cult following. Mm-hmm. It really does. I mean yeah. and, and the thing is the only thing about Arrested Development that I worry it, and it's I haven't watched a ton of it, admittedly. I mean I'd like to at some point, but yeah. I'm sure I'd like it based on what other people have said, but I worry that there's when when a show gets canceled and cut off before it's prime, mm-hmm. and then in the rare occasions it gets brought back, oftentimes the nostalgia and the good feelings towards that show when it left at its height aren't there anymore. Yeah, it's a very different dynamic. Family Guy. Family I mean, Guy. Family Guy's still on it. It's got a ton of viewers and whatnot, but... Yeah. The same diehard Family Guy fans that basically got the show back, would they be crying like that if it went off the air right now? No. Probably not. So it makes me a little nervous and for the fans yeah. of Arrested Development. Yeah, and, and we'll see. We'll I, see. But I, my guess is they probably have one or two, at least one or two good seasons in them. So. Yeah. I should say a little more on House of Cards uh, from 
from the filmmaking TV mm-hmm. show's perspective. Um, I enjoyed it. I'll tell you right now, it's not the thing that's going to make me subscribe to Netflix, as I do not have Netflix right now. I have enough crap to watch without having Netflix. It's not like <laughs> I need all of this impulse TV right in front of me. Right. But um, Kevin Spacey's obviously amazing. Robin Wright Penn plays his wife. Excuse me, Robin Wright plays his wife. Um, Kate Mara plays a journalist in it, and you know, there's a few few other people around, but it's it seems good. There's a lot of potential, and I think by the end of the season, maybe I could be a huge fan of House of Cards. Um, the only thing is, some of the some of the the delivery of of a lot of the lines feels a little wooden. Hmm. It's uh, and I don't know what it is. it is even like from Spacey, and I don't know. Maybe if I gave it a second watch, I wouldn't be so. Uh, attuned to how they're saying these things maybe maybe i was just so removed from it when i was watching it that Mm -hmm. i was paying attention to that kind of thing but for some reason it wasn't all there and maybe they just didn't feel like they were really making something yet yeah like it's the first it's the pilot of the show maybe maybe episode two steps it up a little more sometimes that happens yeah Yeah. no it does especially um, with the with the pilot yeah uh but I, you know, I will watch it all at some point. Uh, it'd be funny. Never mind. I'm not going to say that. But uh, I was going to say it'd be funny if I pirated it. <laughs> but, uh, I just, um, it's interesting and and it's very cool. It's kind of there's a little bit of the Ferris Bueller like talking to the breaking the fourth wall. Kevin Spacey breaks the fourth wall often. Interesting. Like in the first scene first scene has quite a good hook in it too but it's almost like it's trying too hard a little okay. bit so i i don't know i'd be interested in you watching it i'd like to know what you think yeah and i'm not normally nuts about political yeah. dramas or anything yeah. um but i i mean I'll, I'll i'd certainly watch the pilot at the yeah. very least i mean it's you know it's like a 53 minute pilot yeah but i give know. it a shot yeah. so if you want to give it a shot maybe we can talk about it more later on yeah but yeah, I I did kind of want to get the Netflix uh, conversation in here because sure. I think it's an interesting thing. It is. It's it's a new it, it's a completely new format for television. So yeah. and well, I'm sure we'll end up talking about it more in the future with. Uh, oh, absolutely. With Arrested Development, and I know they have a bunch of other shows in the works. Oh yeah, so. that, this is not something that's going to end anytime soon. So. No. <laughs> All right. Um. So let's move on to some movie news. We got a few things that'll probably run a little quickly, but that's okay. Um. First up, uh, big for some of the gamers out there, uh, Duncan Jones of Moon and Source Code fame has been selected to direct Warcraft. Yeah. Movie based on the Warcraft series, World of Warcraft, you know, originally Sam Raimi was attached to mm-hmm. it, and he's left for, you know, I'm sure it kind of got caught up. But this is Duncan Jones' first movie where he gets to take $100 million and make a movie with it. That that's that's pretty cool. Wasn't I mean, the case for Source Code certainly wasn't the case for Moon. No, those were shoe. I mean, Moon was like a shoestring budget, wasn't yep. it? I mean, by today's standards, at least. Yeah. Source Code, I'm sure he, you know, had he a little bit more, to play around but with, but wasn't a hundred million. No, I, I'm. Man, it's just it's strange because I mean, you hear it a lot of with Duncan Jones. He's one of those directors that people talk about a lot, and that's good. I mean, I, I, I wasn't nuts about Source Code. Moon was great. Yeah. But I think there's a lot of potential there. Yeah. And and. But you heard his name getting, you know, tossed around for things like Star Wars, obviously, when yeah. the Star Wars, uh, when the mysterious think, Star Wars director had I yet think to be. Avengers back in the day as well. <clears throat> I wouldn't, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't doubt it. Um, 
lots of sci-fi properties. Um, this is a fantasy property, so it's a little. It, I mean, it's, there's a difference there. It's very, yeah. It's very much even I mean, swords and sorcery and, yeah. and orcs and trolls and it, I mean it's it's got a kind of a Lord of the Rings type vibe to Absolutely. it. Absolutely, and I mean source code isn't even like total sci-fi, Mm-mm. but it's certainly closer to Moon than it is to Warcraft. He hasn't even done a full-blown, I mean, sci-fi, sci-fi movie. Uh, Moon is pretty up there. It's pretty up there. Moon but is it, basically <clears throat> 2001. He hasn't is, done a big, bombastic sci-fi yes, film, is, yeah. I guess is what I'm saying. He doesn't saying. have a done... He, yeah. He hasn't done a, you know... A, he hasn't done a Star Wars. No. He hasn't done... No, you know, a Star Trek, a Prometheus, nothing of those... You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Really, really out there. So this is going to be interesting. It will. I like Duncan Jones, and I, I mean, I'm not a Warcraft guy, but depending on what I see when things start rolling out, yeah, I I'm mean, down. That's I. I used to play Warcraft like Warcraft Two, like that was Tides of Darkness is the subtitle of the game. I loved that game. Is that with the pirate on the cover? It's like a pirate and an orc, and they're like standing off. Against no, each other. I think that's probably the first one. Okay. That's probably. I remember Warcraft. looking at the cover and going, "That's maybe, sweet. maybe it is a Tides of Darkness." Yeah, maybe there's a pirate. Can- anyway, um, <laughs> pirates. <laughs> I loved Warcraft. Don't care about World of Warcraft at all. I never really played any of it. Um, so I mean, from a lore standpoint, I don't really know how much I care, but I mean, I know there's a lot to mine. Oh, there's a lot. I mean, I mean, it's 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 very very in depth. I know this. It's almost a very hard movie to make because you know all the fans of of, of the game series are probably gonna hate the movie. They probably already hate it. Yeah, because like like the only <laughs> financially, this might be a bad decision <laughs> because you're gonna have to expect the World of Warcraft players to leave the computer to go see this movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's not your fan base is already poised to pirate your movie. Before yes, it comes. they're they're ready to go. <laughs> they probably already have the movie. Um, yep. But no, um, it's 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 very interesting. It's an interesting choice. Uh, yeah. The one thing that I think is is for me the most exciting thing about Warcraft, since I'm not a huge Warcraft fan, and I'm not a huge Duncan Jones fan. I like the guy, but is that this is the first time, in my opinion, we're seeing a director directing a video game adaptation that's really at at a very a very highly esteemed actor right now or yeah. director right now yeah it's that's interesting yeah. and i hope i hope that warcraft is a, is a success and that maybe studios start to wise up and go hmm if we actually put work into these movies that would be nice and, and let people with real talent you know i don't know it take the reins it I, it could open some very cool avenues that would be very cool yeah. so I mean, and and I will say I am a pretty big Duncan, Duncan Jones fan. I l- really loved Moon. Source Code was pretty awesome. My, I understand people's complaints with it. I am a little sad that he's being saddled down with Warcraft for two years because I'd really like to see what else he could do. Because mm-hmm. as a as a proponent of original sci-fi skewed films, mm-hmm. I love the work that he's been doing. Well, but, I mean, the same can be said. Even I mean, as much as you love the Marvel universe and and whatnot, I'm sure there's part of you that is almost a little bummed that Joss Whedon's so saddled with Marvel stuff. I mean, yeah. Because you'd like to see something. I'm, I'm not going to... The things that I want to see out of Joss Whedon are more Dr. Horrible, more Serenity. So it's not really like original things that I won't see, but sure. I hey, I would love to see some original Joss Whedon stuff too. But I understand what you mean, and, though. Like when people get saddled with projects, and yeah. it's, it's kind of like, man, I want to see something original from you again. Yeah. You know? So. So. All right. Uh, could we, be very cool. Yeah. Could be very yeah. bad. We'll see. We, we will see. Yep. 2015. That's what yeah. they want to do. So, God, that's gonna be a big year. Yeah, it is. Um, not looking forward to that movie wager. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, okay, so Warner Brothers has greenlit Entourage, the Entourage movie. Next. Um, <laughs> no, I, I watched Entourage as a guilty pleasure. Yeah. And I would probably be watching a movie. I don't know if I would really want to go see it in theaters, but... I'm just... I, I guess this this is one of those ones I, I've never watched Entourage. Um, I mean, I've heard good things about it. I've heard bad things about it. I probably will never watch it. Yeah. But... It just seems so random to me. Like, this is the TV show that gets a movie. Like, 24 has been struggling to get a movie for <laughs> how long? Yeah, I mean, well, they have been saying, a lot like 24, they have been saying that even though the show is ending, we do want to do a movie. Okay. So it's not really coming out of the blue. Uh, the show Entourage from HBO, uh, starring Adrian Grenier and Ari, Ari Gold, that's his name on the show. Uh, Jeremy Piven. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on point today. Piven. Um, I'm sorry. What was I saying? That's all right. Basically, uh, the show, it was kind of put like it's Mark Wahlberg was one of the executive producers. So that doesn't surprise me. It was, it was supposedly some of his real life stories, but anyway, him being able to get somebody to be like, Hey, we'll give you the money to make a movie. Yeah. Not that surprising. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Mark Wahlberg, he could probably sell a ketchup popsicle to a woman in white gloves. So, you know. I mean, let's be honest. He just lifts up his shirt and he's like, hey, ladies. Uh, did you say a ketchup popsicle? To a woman in white gloves. Because oh, it would ruin what? her gloves. It's it's a hell of a sale to make. Do you see where I'm going with this? <laughs> I get it, but I'm just wondering. I've n- Anyway. It's whatever. from Tommy Boy. Okay. Yeah. It's I not original. It's, it's not a Willie Gibbs original, I, okay? I, I, well, I, I, I kind of figured that, but I didn't know what. Right, are you saying I'm not cool from. enough to make something like that up? Jeez, Alex. Let's move on from our anyway, just breaking up the yes, band here. We already lost Nick. <laughs> Nick saw that Entourage was on the he, news jacket. Like, nope, I'm he out. was like, sorry, guys. Um, all right, so more X-Men Days of Future Past news. We have Anna Paquin, Ellen Page, and Sean Ashmore, uh, all three of which were in uh, previous X-Men movies. Rogue Kitty Pride, nice man. Yes, they've all signed on to do X-Men Days of Future Past. Cool. Pretty interesting. Yeah. I'm actually surprised about Ellen Page. I mean... She yeah she was pretty minor, in in the third and last stand but yeah and she's probably a little more expensive now maybe I'm certainly than maybe. she was then maybe maybe Brian Singer was just like well no because she didn't work right? with him maybe but maybe she did maybe she signed on before anyway that doesn't matter it makes things even cooler though because you know once again we're getting more cast members from the the first three movies so well here's the thing that I. You know, spoiler alert for X-Men The Last Stand if you haven't seen it, but uh, the one part of Joss Whedon's Astonishing X-Men storyline that they used in that film was that the mutant cure, quote-unquote, had been uh, created, and uh, Rogue lost her powers, correct? Yeah, she winds up... Well, there's two... I think there's, like, two cuts of the movie, but I think in the, in the actual theatrical one, it's she loses them. From okay. what I mean, I try to drown out all memories of that movie, but yeah, I'm pretty sure she doesn't have any powers at the end of that movie. Yeah, I think so too. And that's the thing. Maybe, maybe there is a second cut, or maybe we can just take this as they are going to completely forget about the third movie, which well, I'm totally okay with. But I, I don't think I don't I don't know if they will because um, for with one, Brian Singer has said you know he actually said when he took the job, from what I recall, once it was once we realized that there were going to be a mixing of the casts. Um, that he had said thanks to Brett Ratner for giving me more to work with with what he did. 
I, I believe he was quoted as saying something along those lines. And, and <laughs> Maybe it was sarcasm. It probably was. <laughs> um, but not to mention, I, I almost hope they don't ignore it at this point. Yeah. Because they could almost, yeah. I mean, they might be able to right some of the wrongs. It won't make X-Men 3 a better movie, but it might make me feel better overall about the series. I, to tell you the truth, they have, w- with the Days of Future Past storyline, they have the ability to right any wrongs. Pretty much. It's it's a smart choice, and we'll see. It, now I'm starting to see why Fox has has kind of tightened the noose around their Marvel yeah. movies, and they hired in Mark Millar. Mm-hmm. They're definitely they have a plan they going do. on. They do, and I don't know exactly what it is yet, but it's once we heard that Wolverine, the new Wolverine film, was taking place after X Men Three, yeah, and now we have Days of Future Past. We'll see. I'm a little worried that this is going to kind of. Uh skew the the first class line of films i feel as though after this one he's going to be poised to make a fourth like normal x-men film which i kind of want more out of the first class storyline but yeah i i hope i hope i hope that's not the case yeah i really do because it'd be a shame to set up what they did in in first class and then just kind of say no we're, we're gonna make sequels to those other ones now yeah i i'd be disappointed i would we'll see We'll see. Um, so we got a we got a two hit here of Marvel casting news. There's always Marvel casting news. It's amazing. Well, I mean, yeah, but there's also a ton of Marvel rumors, but we tended not to not uh, talk about those. No, don't don't look at the rumors online, please. <laughs> it it really will give you a headache. Yeah. If you have any interest between, in it. between Marvel and Star Wars rumors, right oh now, man, it's they're flying pretty fast. Yeah, I think I'm gonna cut off the internet from now on. <laughs> That's a good idea. Um. We have Emily Van Camp of uh, Revenge, which is an ABC show. She has been cast as the female lead in Captain America the Winter Soldier, which uh, many people believe is the daughter of Peggy Carter from the, the first niece. Captain America. The niece, excuse or, me. It, it's changed so many times, honestly. Yeah, it's honestly. probably been both. <laughs> but uh, Sharon Carter, yeah, which uh, is a possible love interest for Cap. She's always been the... Obviously, after the world, most of the Cap stories have taken place after World War Two. Yeah, and after he was unfrozen, and she's always been the the number one love interest for Cap. Yeah, um, and it might seem weird to some that she's related in some strange, unforeseen way <laughs> to to Peggy Carter, and they're probably gonna have to actually change the relation thing too because of the time difference now. She couldn't be a straight daughter. She's probably a granddaughter she's or, young, yeah. or, or uh, whatever. It doesn't matter. She's related. Um, but um, no, I mean, I I I'd never watched Revenge. I've seen a little bit of Everwood, which apparently she was on. I don't Brothers remember. And sisters. She was actually. Um, yeah, I I didn't realize that until my fiance was watching Brothers and Sisters and yeah. was like, "Hey, that's the girl that you know." Yeah, okay, cool. my mom. My mom used to watch some Brothers and Sisters, and I saw a few of her episodes. And she, she was never, fine. Yeah. yeah, she was fine. So. Yeah, she's she's really pretty, so I can't argue with that. Yeah, it'll we'll see. Yeah, just nice to get a little more solid news about the Marvel universe. Yeah, especially Cap, probably. which news has slowed down a bit on. Yeah, so that's cool. Um, and for the second part of that that double hit, we got Chris Pratt uh, of Everwood fame <laughs> as well. <laughs> They just really went back to Everwood. They were like, I really like those two. I know. Isn't that kid from Small Soldiers in Everwood? Man, he's going to play somebody. Get ready. Um, Chris Pratt of Parks and Rec and Everwood fame. Uh, the cast is Peter Quill and Guardians of the Galaxy. 
And uh, it's sad that Nick's not here to talk about it, but I'm sure we'll get his thoughts uh, at a later date. He's cast as, as Star-Lord. Yes. You know, which is Nick's guy. That's yeah. one of his favorite superheroes. Yeah. So. Uh, very interesting interesting uh, choice. Neither of us... He wasn't on any of the the, the, the short, short lists, lists that yeah. we had seen. Uh, but I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Chris Pratt, and I think, in, for what little I know about Star-Lord, I think we could get a very interesting performance. No, I think that I think that he fits the bill. I mean, I I think this is the typical Marvel Marvel move, but I like it. You know, I mean, it's you you, you pick somebody who it seems out of left field at first, but then when you really look back in the filmography, you're like, oh, how did I not see that? It's, yeah. You know, and, and and when you look at back on the stuff he's done, it's very very you know funny raunchy comedy stuff. Yeah. And then he's done some very cool dramatic work too I mean Zero Dark Thirty Zero Dark Thirty yeah the, I mean it took me a minute to even realize it was him yeah I mean it was you know I mean once I realized I could see the Chris Pratt come out absolutely but, but he he you know he took it seriously and, and he had a very interesting character and then um, Moneyball yeah which I, compl- I honestly the first time I saw it I had no I, I didn't even realize it was Chris Pratt yeah because the guy dropped so much weight and, absolutely and he's really good in that movie he is like really good Um, so no I'm psyched I I think he's a cool choice. I, I, I can't wait to hear his quote on it because you know that's inevitably coming, and I'm just yeah. curious to see what he has to say about it. Yeah, I'm. It makes me happy that he's involved in the Marvel universe, and I'm wondering if the very slapsticky nature of his uh, character on Parks and Rec is any sort of indication where they want to go with the film. Like, maybe they're gonna try and make Guardians of the Galaxy skew a little more, almost kid friendly, but. I think that it's. I mean, I mean, if, if if you're going by the comics, by the run of the comics that this movie seems to be kind of basing itself off of, there's there's a lot of comedy. I mean, and, and there is some slapsticky stuff. It's not kiddie though. Okay. And it, it it doesn't pander. It's it's very. It's hard to explain. It's 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 got a darkness to it because of the the subject matter and the, the things they have to deal with. And there are some deaths, obviously, in the comic, like any comic, and some yeah. resurrections. But they, there was always a tongue-in-cheek feel to it too, and 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 a lot of that's done through um, interviews with the characters, mm-hmm. like during the course of the events of the comic, that particular issue, whatever mission okay. they're on, they're they're kind of being documented on video, recording their like mission logs. They're like so like they'll sit in front of the camera so like seriously, you will not believe what Rocket Raccoon did, and then it just cuts to the scene of Rocket Raccoon going nuts and like shooting stuff or whatever. They, they probably sat down and watched a few eps of Parks and Rec because he talks to the camera in Parks that. and Rec. Yeah, yeah. that's a, it's you know it's essentially. I'd tell you the truth. At first, I thought it was a spinoff of The Office. In that, yeah, in well, that it's way. the same producers, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. but it, you know, it's, it's, that could very well be they they saw Chris Pratt in that, and then they brought him in and probably had him read something on the serious side and was like, we think you can do everything that we need you to do, and and I don't think he ever would have been read for this role if not for Zero Dark Thirty, or probably, Moneyball. Yeah, probably not. Because I mean, unfortunately, a lot of the times when you get when you're a comedy guy, you're a comedy guy. Yeah. That's all you do. Yeah. You know, I mean, there are some exceptions. I think once you become very, very well known in the comedy genre, you can do something different every once mm-hmm. in a while. But he's he's lucky in that respect. I mean, yeah. he can do both. And, and I think that hopefully people will start taking notice of the fact that he's not just the comedy guy. Yeah. You know, not not just the fat funny guy. Yeah. That he can do a lot of different stuff. It'll I like the... I think he seems like a cool guy, too. I saw him on... <laughs> 
funny. Someone on an episode of Top Chef, <laughs> which is funny. <laughs> it, uh, him and you know they have guest judges come in all the yeah. time, and it was him and um, Anna Ferris, who oh, he's married okay. to, or married or dating. I don't know. I think okay. they're married. Yeah. Um, and they were hosting a dinner party for friends, and the Top Chef oh, contestants okay. yeah. cooked from. He was very funny. That's cool. Very cool sense of humor, and he seemed like a nice guy. So, yeah, I'm. I like it. I'm. I'm down. Very, very excited to see. It, it'll be very interesting to see him on screen with the Avengers. It will, and I think, I think, just given what I've seen of his, his kind of comedic stylings and stuff, he'll work really well with Donnie Jr. in particular. Yeah, I think it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. I and to have Joss Whedon's words come out of his mouth. Exactly. Once again, a strong writer that yeah. that can really make somebody who already has a quick wit and a great sense of humor can make that that person just turn that dial up just to, yep. the, to the point of like oh my god what's happening in yep. front of me and we'll be talking about that with this movie review as well we will, so we <laughs> all right uh so we have two minutes to talk about something somewhat big but we don't really have a lot of news on it yet uh in this week's piece of star wars news as as there is every week uh at least it's actual news disney has confirmed that there will be standalone star standalone star wars films Beyond just the episodes. Beyond the episodes, possibly in between the episodes in the next, or not next, but in the six years, you know, encompassing the next three episodes. Sure. Uh, We kind of had rumors swirling of two different ones recently. We had Zack Snyder kind of wants to do like a samurai kind of Star Wars film. A Ronin type thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, a lot of the rumors lately have been saying Lawrence Kasdan, who did um, Empire. Uh, wrote Empire, uh, Empire Strikes Back, wants to do uh, a Yoda standalone film. It's interesting. I don't and, know. Oh, Yoda's a strange choice, actually, but yeah. it, it could be cool. Yeah, I mean, it. It depends on on the creative talent chosen for that given story. That's all what it depends on. Let's take a look at the at the implications of making possibly five movies in six years like we we see marvel kind of doing it but take it to another level where you could very well have two or three people appear in all all six movies all five movies these people are going to be signing their lives away for a little while yeah I, well i mean it's not i guess we're not going to see yoda in episode seven and but, it's not but like no, but that's I mean, an actor but you get what i'm saying no but like, some of these actors that eventually get cast in these star wars the new batch of star wars movies could potentially be signing on for things like seven picture deals or that's a lot of that's a lot of that's a commitment but i think star wars being star wars regardless of the prequel trilogy scaring some people away i think that people are going to be pretty game for it yeah i mean almost everybody in hollywood has said hey i want to be in star wars you know so i just want to see a martin scorsese directed jabba the hutt movie (laughs) gangster picture that's what i want to see it could happen yeah all right, uh, we'll move on because somehow we're probably going a little long, even without Nick. So um, we will start off with our full review of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, directed by Shane Black, who uh, didn't have any directing credits before this, but he's written the Lethal Weapon series, yeah. uh, uh, the Monster Squad. Monster Squad, one of my favorites. So he's he's uh, he was more of a prolific writer than he ever was a director, but. Mm-hmm. And he was an actor in Predator. Yeah. For those that don't know, he was one of Schwarzenegger's uh, comrades. Yeah. So that's kind of fun. So, I mean, you know, Shane Black been around the, the Hollywood community. Mm-hmm. Um, 
this movie starring uh, Robert Downey Jr., Val Kilmer, and Michelle Monaghan, and you know a few other people here and there. Yeah, uh, mostly Val Kilmer. Yeah, mo- mostly Val Kilmer. Let's be serious here. But uh, the synopsis on IMDb is a murder mis- murder mystery brings together a private eye struggling actress and a thief masquerading as an actor. And that's all they give you, which I kind of like. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are going to do a spoiler section, so uh, we'll let you know when that's coming up. But uh, Willie. What did you think about Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? Well, this is actually the second time I've seen it. Yeah. I saw it back when it first came out on um, on DVD, 05. Okay. Yeah. Did we determine this was 05? I keep yeah. asking you this. 2005. In 2005. Yep. So that's a long time ago. Yeah. Um, no, I, I... I was 15. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that, <laughs> I was older than that. Um, let's just leave it at that. Um, no, I um, I really liked this movie. And I, I remembered having liked it, but some for some strange reason, I didn't remember a lot of what the movie was about yeah i just remember having liked it yeah um and watching it now with hopefully more mature eyes <laughs> hopefully um i appreciate it even more it is a funny funny movie the laughs per minute in this movie it is a it, it's a dark comedy it is but it's done it's but it's, it's more funny. comedy than it's, it is dark oh my god though but it's it's there are some horrible things that happen in this movie there i mean are. we we're dealing with with without spoiling things shootings and and and, and murders and and cover-ups and just horrible things yeah and, and somehow this movie is funnier than most straight comedies yeah it, it's awesome and, it's and and a lot of that has to do with the just incredible writing yeah incredible writing there's not a single dull there's not a single crappy joke in this entire movie no not at all everything's funny even the crappy joke that there are like the one that you kind of pointed They're out crappy on purpose it gets crappy on purpose and and the performances take it to another place absolutely so. and and it's you know all the performances are great robert downey jr once again just his reactions to the situations he's in are absolutely. so great absolutely. And, and you see that you know in, in the movies he does now as well um val kilmer i'll let you talk about I know you're a huge fan of the character, and so as am I, but I think you're very passionate about this character. I, you know, the first time that I saw this movie, I was like, this guy's name, it's Gay Perry. Gay Perry's the name of, he's credited as Gay Perry. Gay Perry, yeah. And you do hear his real name once, don't you, in, over the course of the movie? A few times, a yeah. few times, but um, Perry Van... Uh, Van Shiver or something like that? <clears throat> Yeah. We don't know because he's just credited as Gay Perry. Yeah, so. he's credited as Gay Perry on IMDb. So it's Perry Van something. But mm-hmm. um, he honestly steals every single scene that he's in. Just with the way that he speaks, the mannerisms that he has, the things that he wears. Everything. The, the way that he walks. It's just... It's such an amazing performance. And, and like we, we talked about a little bit earlier, it's interesting to think that this was kind of more of a revival movie for for robert downey jr than it was for val kilmer yeah that's strange i mean don't get me wrong downey jr is fantastic he is in this movie he's great absolutely um but i mean it's it's tough to one-up downey jr and val kilmer does it in every scene he's in with, with downey jr yeah and so it is interesting that this kind of became more of not that iron man wasn't iron man was the one that pushed him into the public i mean it made time. him a superstar. Made him again. a superstar. Yeah. But this was his first major step in coming back from his like second major meltdown. Yeah. And this was kind of a last shot for Downey Jr., I yeah. think. I mean, if this failed, he would have been in trouble. Yeah. Um, 
but and Val Kilmer really the same way. I mean, well, I mean, I, I, but Val Kilmer didn't have the the very very publicized drug issues and whatnot yeah. that we know of. I yeah. mean, I don't know, but his career wasn't exactly. This is a post Batman Val this Kilmer. Is, this is post Batman Val Kilmer, and and I mean, during his heyday, Val Kilmer was like the ultimate sex symbol for a while there. I mean, women loved him, and he was in a ton of great movies and gave some great performances. Um, but this was really like I feel like. He finally, like, he couldn't give any more after he gave everything in this movie. <laughs> I swear, like, like this is like his last, like, yeah, I'm gonna keep acting to pay the bills, but this is my last real this performance. This is my magnum opus. And now I'm gonna make a bunch of direct-to-video movies. Well, maybe, maybe lim- let's just go back to our last retro review, which was Heat. Yes, which Apparently was '96. Our retro reviews are just gonna be Val Kilmer. Val films. Kilmer films. I didn't realize. Maybe this. like every nine or ten years, he's just gonna turn in an amazing performance. Maybe. And Who I, knows? you know, I don't know the entire chronology of his, of his filmography or anything, yeah. but, but um, if I remember right, Kilmer hadn't done a whole lot before, for a while there before this movie, and yeah. it's 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 just he's great, he's really great in this movie, and 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 for that matter, so is uh, Michelle Monaghan. Yeah, she's she's really good too, and she actually carries her own alongside these two amazing actors in yeah. amazing roles and and cuz she partially because she's got some really great dialogue as a character too and she has a lot of you can tell everybody's having a lot of fun with it and Absolutely. that's one of the nicest things you can feel the fun they had on set making yeah. this movie yeah and we've talked about this before on the podcast i'm sure that that is a huge thing for me certainly is i want to feel that passion and that fun they had i want to be part i want to be sucked into that yeah, that a little bit. And if I'd you can, you know, movie movies by nature, you're you have actors who are reading from a script which is being directed. That's like a very you're removing all of the it's very mechanicality. Yes, you're getting rid of all of that from from what you're viewing. And when you can have people who bring that back, when you have a director who knows how to bring that out in people when they're on camera, mm-hmm. you get something magical like. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Absolutely. Um, basically, I'd be parroting everything you said. Shane Black's writing. This is some of the sharpest wit, quickest wit that I've ever seen in any movie. You almost can't keep up with it sometimes. You can't. Like we we had it, we had the subtitles on just just so we could read them. There are points where the subtitles can't keep up with what is being <laughs> joked about on on the screen, mm-hmm. and it's just. <sighs> but it's never obnoxious. No, it's no, not. Never. And it, you know, there's not. I mean, there's one scene that's kind of gross-out humor, but it's not even played to that effect. It's just like sometimes it's crazy situations, and how did this even happen? And other times it's there. There are like multiple times. There's there's kind of a recurring joke involving the words "bad" and "badly," which for some reason that is my most. That's the thing that I've remembered from. Like I bought this movie on Blu-ray maybe two years ago mm-hmm. or a year and a half ago and I hadn't opened it like I wasn't even the person to open this copy my brother was because he <laughs> wanted to copy it but anyway um, I've been dying to rewatch this movie just to hear that joke again the that, bad badly joke the bad badly joke that happens it's a grammar joke yeah, just so we can let you yeah, in real quick it's, and it's just utterly mind blowing it's just like it kind of demonstrates how amazing the performances are because the people that are involved in these interactions with this joke just take it up to a whole nother level mm-hmm. and then on top of that it's written so smartly that you know and, and one of the other things is I think Shane Black 
really got into the people who he was writing, particularly Val Kilmer and uh, Robert Downey Jr. Because you hear a lot of times about sitcoms, things like, uh, especially Seinfeld. They're Mm -hmm. like, at this point, this is when we figured out how to write Kramer. Sure. I think Shane Black has figured out how to write Robert Downey Jr. And that's one of the many things that has me extremely excited about Iron Man 3. Yeah, he writes to the strengths of his actors, I think. I think you're absolutely right about that. I didn't think about it beforehand, but Val Kilmer... It's not that they're, it's not that Val Kilmer's playing Val Kilmer by any means, or, or I almost hope he is. I hope Val Kilmer's just like this. <laughs> um, or that Robert Downey Jr. is playing Robert Downey Jr., but he knows the strengths and the weaknesses of the actors he's dealing with and he knows how to bring those out yeah. when they need to be brought out. And it's it, it, it's it's a great movie. I, I mean, mean, it's it's people don't talk about it too much. They don't. Which they is kind of sad because this is a really 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 fun funny, crazy, violent. <laughs> just, yeah. It's a lot of fun. It I loved it. And I I to tell you the truth, I feel like he just really sat down with Val Kilmer. And he was probably having a conversation with him, and he saw how sarcastic, like, Val Kilmer could be or something. <laughs> right. Because Gay Perry is, like, 99% sarcasm and 1% gay, or something like that. Like, right. that's that's what Gay Perry is made out of. You rarely get a real moment. You do, yeah. Out the, of Gay like, Perry. That's the, and the moments that you do get out of Gay Perry that are real are amazing. Mm-hmm. Like Robert Downey Jr. up against the car in the in the Yeah, he's real sad and he's laying up against Gay yeah. Perry's car and Gay Perry is like, I'm really sorry, man. I got but I gotta go. <laughs> and and he just kinda pushes Robert Downey Jr. away from his car like this leaves him sitting on the street crying. Yep. Yeah. It's and so good. It's every little thing about the characters in the film is is pretty amazing. And then on top of that, I I, I wanna say uh the direction it's not um particularly flashy from a directing Mm-mm. standpoint but it is very interestingly done i mean there, there's a lot of you have a narrator robert Downey jr's character is the narrator in mm-hmm. this film and the film is very the very, film is a film it's yeah and it's very self-referential absolutely in, in many different ways a lot of with the narrator alone you're breaking the, the fourth wall a lot yeah and he even references the events you're seeing as being a film. Yes. He does. I mean, he multiple does. times. Yep. He like he tells the audience, you're watching a movie, and I'm here going to tell you what this movie's about. And yep. He makes mistakes narrating, which is fun. He does. And and it's just, it's very interestingly put together. So even though, like, the, the uh, I mean, good direction can sometimes be invisible, but on top of that, I think, I think the direction being invisible allows the performances to stand out. It allows the uh, script to stand out. It allows the editing to stand out, and you know if if that's what he was trying to do here. I, it's certainly something like he probably really showed off his own prowess as a writer by standing back as a director, while also learning the trade of direction. You know, because this is his first sure. feature film. So, and I mean, one thing to say in the direction too, real quick, um, is that, and this is going to tie into the Iron, upcoming Iron Man three a little bit, is the the bit of action that is in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. It's not not an action movie, but there's, yeah, it's not. There, there is a bit of action, especially towards the end, mm-hmm. is is very well done. It is. And I, I think that's an exciting prospect that he he already has an eye for that. Let's and, and just say there's no shaky cam, so I'm already appro- I approve yes, that. Yes, we, we approve <laughs> of the no shaky cam. Um, and then secondly, I think we have to talk about two other important things real quick. Right. Number one, 
once again, as all Shane Black scripts seem to be, it's set during Christmas, during the Christmas season. Yep. It is a recurring thing with his movies. Yep. I you know I I can't name all the movies that feed. There's one or two that he has written that don't have the Christmas thing, yeah. but almost all of them do. And I'm very curious to see how that figures into <laughs> Iron Man 3 as well. Um, There's going to be one Christmas scene, just so that he can say he, that it was... I, I don't know what it is with Christmas. <laughs> you know, I'm sure there's a quote out there from him explaining why he loves Christmas so much. <laughs> I mean, I love Christmas too, but... Yeah. Um, and then secondly, I thought this was Dave Matthews in the closing <laughs> credits saying the, the, the song at the end of the credits, but it was not Dave Matthews. Who was it, Alex? It was Robert Downey Jr. Singing a song. Yeah, and he, he, had, he put an album out like at one point. It was it was around that time, I think. And I just realized at this time, now that you said it, like when we watched it upstairs, I was like I, I went and pulled out my phone and used one of the apps to figure out what the song was mm-hmm. and it pulled up Robert Downey Jr. broken and I was like, This is Robert Downey Jr. You're like, What? <laughs> no <laughs> You gotta be kidding me. It really did. It sounded like Dave Matthews and I'm not a huge Dave Matthews fan. Yeah. Um so I was like, oh, no, this, this movie just got knocked down a peg or two. And then I was, he's like, Robert Downey Jr., I'm like, okay, fine. I'll you know, yeah. give it to him. He's got a good voice. I mean, I'll give him that much. Yeah. So I might actually have to like listen to his music now. I'm, I had no idea he even dabbled. I think I listened to like a few. I think I think the album's called The Futurist or something okay. like that. Interesting. I listened to a few of the clips on, on uh, iTunes, and I was like, eh. It's weird. I always like it when very cool actors get involved in music. Yeah. I, I think that's cool. I mean... As much as I complain about like the Eddie Murphy uh, party all the time, dude. Of course. Yeah. Um, but as much as I, as I complain about this new Hollywood fascination with building a superstar that has to be an actress and a singer and, yeah. and a dancer and all that. Yeah. Because I feel like if it's natural, if it, if it comes naturally, that's fine. But don't yeah. force it. But it's cool. Like, like Jeff Bridges is Absolutely. another example. I think it's very cool that he plays music or uh, Anthony Stewart Head. Yep. Super awesome. You yep. know. Um, there's a couple others, but I won't go into that. Yeah. But it's just cool to see. I had no idea that Robert Downey Jr. was even... He doesn't strike me as the guy who, for whatever no, reason, doesn't no, strike me doesn't. as a music guy. Yeah. You know, not that he doesn't enjoy it, but I don't know. <laughs> it just threw me off. It was It's kind of cool. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, the other thing that you brought up earlier that I wanted to talk about, the bromance. Oh, yeah. And it's such an interesting bromance between uh, Harry, who is Robert Downey Jr.'s character, and Gabe Harry. Just because... Uh, the movie kind of starts out with them on like okay terms and then about like two thirds or not two thirds but like a third of the way in it's like Gabe Perry basically hates Harry for like everything that he stands for hates him (laughs) and then like by the end of the movie they still kind of hate each other but you know that they're going to be friends for the rest of life it's like it's it's funny because it's it's this like it's this totally endearing bromance because Harry is He's kind of a dumbass. He I mean, is. let's be honest. He is. He's kind He's of... a bumbling idiot thief. That's that the one interesting thing about this is even though uh, Donnie Jr. is very quick-witted, as he usually is in this movie, he's kind of stupid. Yeah. And, and, and Gabe Perry is pretty intelligent. Yeah. Um, Extremely intelligent. But he has these moments of stupidity, too, which is kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. um, and what's, what's funny about it is every, in, in every way that that Harry loves Gay Perry, that he thinks they're best friends and he looks up to him and he wants to learn from him and Gay Perry thinks the opposite of Harry. <laughs> it's true. It's literally like, it's such a one-way street. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. But, but that's what makes it so fun. It's a totally one-sided friendship. It totally is. But it, but you know deep down inside Gay Perry has a special place in, in his heart for he Harry. It's it And that's, it's a very cool, interesting interesting bromance it is you know and then because the two characters are so interesting and the two actors do such a great job at it it makes it all the better yeah you know um but 
once again, Shane Black has written some really cool romances in the past. I mean, Last Boy Scout um, yeah. was Bruce Willis, and one of the weigh-ins, I'm sorry, I don't know which weigh-ins brother it was. I cannot remember. Keenan Ivory weigh-ins, I think. Um, <laughs> I'll and tell then, you which weigh-ins it's not. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was not Marlon. <laughs> um, and then um, he did, uh, obviously, the Lethal Weapon series, which is one of the most epic film romances yeah. of all time. And yeah. they, I mean... That's another one where they kind of hate each other. They do. So, I don't know. Anyway, bromances were, were awesome in this movie. Absolutely. Gotta, gotta like them. And Michelle Monaghan's legs and everything else attached to her <laughs> were fantastic. Absolutely. So, thank you for that, Michelle. Yeah. Um, the only kind of, like, con that I had about the film that I really kind of thought about, and it's really just kind of a nitpick, there's a little bit of a slowdown towards the end of the second act, beginning of the third one, when, when sure. they're back in the hotel room. It just kind of... Uh, it takes a minute to breathe, which you don't really feel in the rest of the, in the, rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, the movie kind of starts and it just keeps rolling full steam ahead. So, once again, the pacing that I love is certainly, it exists in this movie. Mm-hmm. And there's that one little halt, but it, you know, it, there's still, like, the scene that I'm particularly thinking of is still just as funny. We'll, uh, have, to, we'll have to talk about that in spoilers. Yeah, yeah, we can. Yeah, and, I, and I, have, I do have a nitpick as well, but I, I'm going to save that for spoilers just because I don't want to give anything away. Okay. Because odds are you probably haven't seen this movie. Yeah, and that you know we want you to see it. That's you why we're totally kinda, should. Yeah. And then you can listen to the spoiler section and join us for the fun of that. I wish I could say it's on Netflix, but I know that it's not. So where is Nick? Yeah, he's gonna look it up right now. <laughs> but uh, it's certainly available on uh, on Amazon. It's pretty cheap. I think it's under ten bucks on. It's cheaper on Blu-ray than it is on DVD. And I know that the blue the DVD is pretty cheap. So yeah, yeah. So yeah. there you go. Just buy it. Um, but yeah, this is one of those movies that I can basically recommend to everybody without seeing. Just buy it. Uh, if you don't love it, you're going to know somebody who will love it and just give it away. Just, just re-gift. <laughs> just yeah. re-gift it. Yeah. Um, do we have a letter grade for this bad boy? Oh, this movie's an A. It is an A. Absolutely. A. No question. Yeah. Agreed. There's, there's, you know, I almost wish that we had somebody who didn't like this movie, but I feel like it would be hard to find somebody who doesn't. Yes. So. MF and Podcast Unity. I yep. like it. Totally. Uh, Alright, so we're going to take a break We're going to head into spoilers But uh, rejoin us afterwards We might have a food for thought or something to go on So uh, stick there And welcome back Here we are in the spoiler territory of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Uh, Willie, you had a point that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, probably my only major gripe with the movie is the um, the actual murder mystery that the plot is centered around. Um, yeah. The thing about it is the the mystery itself isn't all that terribly interesting. Yeah. It's it's not. I mean, there's there's the the twists and turns aren't exactly a original or or, or b. Interesting. Once again, let me just get back to this yeah. interesting point. Um, no, I mean, and it's not, the thing is, I almost don't mind. Usually I would. Usually yeah. I'd be like, well, this is a murder mystery movie. If I don't care about the murder mystery, why would I be watching this? But in this case, as we've rambled on about, <laughs> yeah. um, the, the performances and the writing of the characters makes me somehow not care about all that. Um, I... Uh, the Corbin Burnson character who winds up becoming kind of the 
the the head honcho behind what's going on. Yeah. Along with his cronies, um, he, you don't really know much about him either. Yeah, like and most I, most of those those like if you look at like a procedural nowadays, like you know, Psych, which Carbon Branson. Sure. Has, or yeah. any of the Law and Orders or any of that stuff. Yeah, you you kind of get to know the people that could be the murderer and the whole i guess the whole show ends up being about them like you figuring out what their motivations for the whole thing would be and you never really get to a, a point with this film where everything clicks and it's all like okay it all makes sense yeah which i suppose you know upon looking at the one of the final scenes where gay perry reveals that uh the sister wasn't killed by where she had committed suicide after all yes uh, Which is funny because that's what he says early on. Yeah, he says is. she wasn't murdered, guys. Yeah, and so I thought that was kind of clever. Um, that kind of jives with what you're saying because if it was true, then I mean they they do kind of manufacture motivations for him to be the one who killed her and all that. Like sure to make all of the mystery line up and connect. Sure, but once again, we still don't. It doesn't feel like that personal. He just feels like the bad guy behind it all. That you know, we don't really know why he's doing what he's doing. Yeah, but. and and even even after he's revealed to be the bad guy, it's not a very it's not a shocking reveal by any means. It's no. not even handled like it's supposed to be a shocking reveal. He's just kind of standing there holding a gun. Yeah, and and I don't think he has like a single line of dialogue up until the point where he gets shot and killed. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, I think I he mean, just drives around like he's angry. He's got that quick little. Actually, you know what? Here's the clever part of the movie that I'm just realizing now <coughs> is that one of those first scenes where I think um, I think it's either Gay Perry or the the director-producer friend that mm-hmm. gets Robert Downey Jr.'s character the job uh, introduces him to Corbin Bernson's character and yes. then as soon as that scene is done Robert Downey Jr.'s voice comes over and is like, no, I bet I know what you're thinking here why was that movie even included, or why was that scene even included in this movie? Yeah, it's always the guy, you know. It's the TV show that's talking. It has the cool set piece on it. Of course, that's where the final part of the movie is going to be. So that's kind of an interesting thing, but it still. It would have been nice to get more about what I mean. They do kind of explain to you. Uh, they they explain to you the motivations of what Corbin Burnson is doing. Yeah, and they give you an idea, but there were it gets a little muddled and it gets a little overly if. My thing is, if the murder mystery wasn't really the most important part of the movie, which it wasn't, in my opinion, then they didn't need to overcomplicate it. Yeah. Which they kind of do. There's a bit of the psychiatric hospital, and the sister, and the pink-haired girl. It gets a little bit... It does. And and I think that that could have been... I might be stabbing in the dark here, but I feel like that could have been a product of... This was a script that was initially very focused around the murder mystery... And that was kind of the central focus of what was going on. And then once Downey Jr. and, and Kilmer and all the cast fell into place, maybe Shane Black realized this movie's more of about these two guys being buddies and, and you know, like... Maybe. Ma- maybe. I don't know. I mean, that's just a thought that popped in my head is maybe the focus initially in an early draft of the script was more the murder mystery and some of that stayed. It's not that every... It's not that nothing makes sense. It all makes sense, but it... It feels overly complicated and a little muddled for not being all that really relevant to... Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, I know what you're saying. And, uh, you know, to tell you the truth, 
if this movie was made now, it feels like. Uh, the movie's really only an hour and 40-something minutes long. Yeah. This movie probably would be like 210, and you'd have a half an hour of that showing more of Robert Downey Jr.'s pre-production for the film that he's mm-hmm. supposedly going to be starring in. Uh, you know, maybe interacting more with Corbin Burnson's character and we get a little bit more about him. Sure. Uh, kind of like you said, it, it's that's not what this movie ended up being about. Mm-mm. For you know, may, maybe that maybe that was like you said, maybe maybe that wasn't the original focus, or maybe that's exactly by his design and that's what he wants it to be. But sure, to tell you the truth, that by the way of them like emulating this Johnny Gossamer, which we kind of forgot to look up whether or not it's fake. But I Johnny think it Gossamer, is fake. yeah. Like, looking up, like, he's trying to emulate this false Johnny Gossamer character who's this crazy detective, and uh, it's kind of an interesting glance looking at both of them side by side, being like, the whole time you think it's a Johnny Gossamer thing because the character's do, but in the end, it's really not at all. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, I think you certainly have a valid complaint, but as both of us will acknowledge it doesn't detract from the enjoyment of the movie it at really all. doesn't if anything if anything i'm i'm glad they didn't focus on the murder mystery i'm glad that yeah. it, you know but but i can i can certainly see why that would be a complaint yeah if you're going into this movie really wanting a good mystery and you know the who done it type thing this is not yeah that movie yeah so that's that's something that i could see people you know arguing mm-hmm. about with this one yeah um I suppose the only other thing that I could really talk about is was my con once again is uh, I feel as though they get to a point after he gets his finger put back on and he's all drugged up and they end up back at his apart uh, his hotel after you know the crazy crap that happens and whatnot. That's where I feel like the movie kind of slows down a little bit, which you don't really feel throughout the rest of the film. Uh, yeah, and. It's still extremely enjoyable because it's Robert Downey Jr. kind of, you know, goose and like hamming it up with Michelle Monaghan and Monaghan. Not not really hamming it up, but just like them interacting together and it's still extremely funny, you know. Her, Absolutely. This is the scene with them in bed we're talking about. Well, yeah, basically. And and the thing the parts leading up to and a little bit after it and she, <laughs> He's just, she's just kind of like, I'm gonna be sleeping in here, blah blah blah. And he's like, I guess that's the couch for me. And then she, she's like, Yeah, unless you wanna, unless, uh, or she's like, You can come he's in just, here unless you find it too distracting. And then he's like, You know. Yeah, she's laying. I mean, she's laying, you know, topless in bed in in her underwear. <laughs> yeah. And and you know, he's she's you know. She's like, sleep she, is all that's gonna happen. And <laughs> unless that's gonna be a problem for you. And he's like, I guess we'll try or something like that. He's <laughs> yeah. like, we'll try it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it was just, really funny. The the we butchered it, but it's extremely funny. I and swear, it's so much funnier in the movie than it was right there. <laughs> it is, it is. Uh, you know, I I could, and that's the thing is that it, the scene is still extremely enjoyable because of the the two actors. Robert Downey Jr.'s comedic timing is amazing, and the words that are coming out of his mouth are brilliant. And Michelle Monaghan's really funny, too, yeah. and, and, you know... Also very attractive. Really Michelle Monaghan. <laughs> but, uh... It's still... It's slowed down a little bit, and, and it kind of does take a little bit of a hit to the pacing, but, you know... It's, it, it does a bit. It's a, it does. It's, it's a small complaint. And I... One, one last thing I want to mention, too. Okay. Um, the... I like the... 
there's a scene when, when Robert Downey Jr. Uh, kills somebody for the first time. Mm-hmm. He shoots one of the henchmen. Yep. Rockman Dunbar of Prison Break fame. Yep. Just saying. Um, and his reaction to that is really, really intense. It and is. it's this really, really dark moment in this... It's in the this, darkest moment of the it whole is movie. In this really, really otherwise... I mean, it's not... It's a, there's a lot of dark things going on, but it's... it's There's nothing funny about that scene. No. When that girl dies next to him, it's it's brutal. Yep. And you feel every bit of it. And I... I there's a... There's a real mastery of, of balancing those serious, dark moments like him shooting that guy with very funny, light-hearted kind of um, closure to those scenes. Yeah. You know, he's, he's kind of dealing with the fact that he just shot somebody and he's lost it in <laughs> this dog. The dog swallows this his finger. This dog just swallowed his before. severed finger. And... The dog sees him crying and walks up, and he kind of starts hugging the dog. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it, it just, you know, you're really like, wow, it's just got heavy. And then all of a sudden, you're like, okay, I'm back in the right mindset yeah. for the rest of this. Yeah. It was there. There's moments like that. Those really, really cool little moments that I don't think a lesser director or writer would would think of. It's kind of very uh, that particular that particular the dynamic that you're talking about is something that I really admired in um, Kevin in the Woods. Mm-hmm. Kind of flipping back and forth between the grotesque and and absolutely really terrifying, but like you know, yeah, horror sensibilities. Stuff that makes your skin crawl. And then rolling right into the, <laughs> rolling with the changes, rolling yeah. right into the funny, uh, the funny bits of the movie. I always appreciate that, and that's that's one thing that, it's funny because I feel like, there's a lot of of movies, um, where the filmmakers play it really safe, and they say, oh, it's a dark comedy. Yeah, and I'm, I mean, I talked about Killer Joe earlier. That's a perfect example. That that movie's been labeled as a dark comedy, or I'm gonna say it, The Room, by Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> he calls a dark comedy, and I think that's mostly just because they don't know what it is, <laughs> honestly. And I, I think I think that the the filmmaker or the writers are confused about what they want the audience to feel, so they that they feel this safe zone of oh we're just gonna call it a dark comedy <laughs> and we can get away with anything. Yeah. This is truly a dark comedy. Yeah. And it and it, and it, it in in the best way possible. So you know That's I That's a good point. It really is because a lot of the time that that definition is just such a generic way of trying to like explain your actions to your audience and yeah. in this case it fits. So perfect blend. Very true. Alright, um so I think if that's all we got about spoilers, we'll take another quick break. Uh, maybe we'll come back and talk a little bit more about Iron Man and, and what Shane Black and, and Robert Downey Jr. can bring to the film. And then uh, maybe some food for thought. Sounds so, good. All right. We will be right back. And we're back. No more spoilers. No not more for, spoilers. Uh, not for Kiss Kiss Bang Bang anyway. Uh, so we can talk a little bit about what the Shane Black, Robert Downey Jr., what we think their relationship on Kiss Kiss Bang Bang will bring to Iron Man 3. And a lot of it's kind of what we've already said, you know. Uh, he's also writing Iron Man 3, I'm sure with the help of some of the Marvel heads and maybe even Joss Whedon at this point. But Yeah. Um it's going to be 
a razor sharp script. Yeah, and I I think that what you said earlier about the momentum of uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and and actually I mean I don't know how many of the of Shane Black's other movies you've seen, but I mean it really. I've seen a few. I, I've seen all the Lethal Weapons, although I don't remember them very sure, well. But sure, I mean, you really only remember bits and pieces of each one. Yeah. But um, that and and, and Last Boy Scout and um, I mean, even Last Action Hero. I'll be. I mean, we those movies say... are all very. They're very quick paced, but they they save time and they don't mind to stop. The, the the scripts occasionally stop to smell the roses every once in a while. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they they don't. He never forgets about characters. No, and and it's funny because like I'll say, Last Action Hero, is is Last Action Hero a, a super great, fantastic movie? Not really. No, not by certain standards. <laughs> but it's there's there's a lot of heart to that movie. There really is. Here's the Midwest film nerds uh, movie fact. Movie fact. Uh, host <laughs> fact. Uh, Last Action Hero was actually the first film that I saw in theaters ever. That's kind of cool because the kid sits down in the theater and the movie comes alive. That's neat. I haven't actually seen it since, and I couldn't really tell you anything besides the fact that Arnold Schwarzenegger stars in it. You should watch it. That'd I be really kind of fun. To. Just I to really watch because it's to. the first movie I ever saw. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, Long Kiss Goodnight he wrote as well, um, and Monster Squad. A lot of his movies are just like a really, really fun ride. They are. They're just honestly like, it's it's another example of a director that makes movies that people love. Yeah. He makes the kind of movies that people want to see. Yeah. And he and and that's very cool. And I think I think that that's kind of the approach that Marvel has been taking to their movies is we want to make movies that people want to see. We want to make the kind of movies that harken back to the fun of being in a cinema and first and foremost we want to make a movie that you don't need to be a comic book fan to appreciate and i and i i think that i i'm i'm happy with some of the comments made about iron man 3 thus far in respect to this is very much shane black's iron man 3 yeah this is not you know obviously it's going to have ties to some of the other stuff you know it's going to it should because now it's a shared universe, and now we're kind of we're post Avengers, and and he's met the other guys, and there's a lot of a lot of that. But I, I think this is very much going to be standalone, and they've said that before, and I'm glad it is. I want to get back to that root of what made the first Iron Man so successful. Yeah. And really just kind of reinvigorate that character. And it's not that it's the thing is it's much harder to pump new life into a franchise that's very dormant. Yeah. Or that it has been hurt by a previous entry like Batman and Robin it's mm-hmm. much harder to, to reinvigorate but if you reinvigorate and breathe new life into a franchise that's already doing well you just keep that lifespan going I, and that's you know it's in a good position because at a moment in time where a lot of people are wondering can the Marvel movies do well now that the, the Avengers has set some sort of precedent like why can't we have all the Avengers in all these movies now it's for them to put Shane Black in a place to kind of reinvigorate it, hopefully Iron Man 3 will show everybody, like, here's why you still want to see movies that don't have all of them together. Absolutely. I, it's honestly, and there's a reason why, why Robert Downey Jr. and Shane Black 
seem to like each other so much, and they obviously work well together. Yeah. Like we said, Shane Black writes the kind of dialogue that just rolls off Robert Downey Jr.'s tongue like yeah. it just comes out and it's just it's fantastic. Yeah. And they both know this. They both know they work well together. And, and I, I know for a fact that Downey Jr. was a huge part to play in the fact that Shane Black got the job. Yeah. And because he's got that pull now, he can do things like Absolutely. that. And that's great. And I'm, I'm glad that I'm glad uh, that Favreau gave us what he did in the first two. Yeah. I, 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 a tip of the hat to him. I mean, I, I have some, certainly have some issues with Iron Man too, but I, I don't feel like those were completely his fault. No. Um, and partially he, Justin Theroux. <laughs> <laughs> partially um and and he he really set the stage for everything coming before and i'm i'm just really i think it it's it's a real testament to how cool that guy must be to really pass the baton yeah to to say this was my baby but i've got other things i want to do and and I, there's new voices that can it's like it's like writing teams shifting in comic books yeah that is what ca- has kept these characters fresh and interesting since the 60s yeah these characters are older than we are yep they're older than most of the people that are reading them yeah. are. And there is a reason for that. And it's because creative teams should be changed. And I like, I mean, initially when I heard that um, that Iron Man 3 was getting a different director, Thor 2 was getting a different director, Captain America was getting a different director, it freaked me out a little bit. Yeah. Because we're used to this, this idea that... Um, a film series should stick to the same creative voice mm-hmm. throughout to keep a continuity and whatnot. But now that we've got this kind of overseeing guy in Joss Whedon that's kind of, I'm sure, touching things here and there or letting yeah. people know what the plans are here yep. and there, just like an editor-in-chief would, Yes. now you can have those new creative voices come in without worrying about a sense of loss of continuity. And I think part of the bigger thing is we've gotten so used to... You can you can go back to Star Wars and you can go to Indiana Jones, but you can really uh, Star Wars is more applicable here. But now we've gotten so used to trilogies, mm-hmm. like this was the Batman trilogy, and this is the we well, like things in sets of threes. Sets of threes, you know. Here's the three Pirates of the Caribbean films. We're kind of breaking out of that now. Marvel's like, here are four movies. And we are going to take them and have them culminate into this movie, which this will event, give way this movie event thing. Yes, yeah. which gives way to four new movies, which will then culminate again. It's kind of rewriting the function of how movie plotting go, like well, and, and how a franchise. Goes. Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely, I, that's and and that certainly lends itself more to the comic book sort of sensibility of switching up the 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 graphic artist and the writer switching up the creative team brings another vision to it and tells a different story than you thought possible in the first place absolutely and and and, and that's i mean Shane Black is a perfect match yeah for for the Iron Man universe yeah. i mean do i th- i wouldn't i wouldn't be nuts about a Shane Black Thor no, I mean not that I'm. I mean he might do a great job, but that I wouldn't be like, oh my god, Shane Black's directing Thor. It doesn't click. No, Iron Man completely clicks. Yeah, and and the same goes for the other directors, except for maybe the Russo brothers. I'm still unsure about, but we'll see. But with Alien, say they're directing, they're directing Captain America, Captain too. America, Winter Soldier, Winter Soldier, yeah, not Captain America too. <laughs> um, and 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 I think you know with like uh, Alan Taylor doing Thor two, yeah, his work on Game of Thrones makes total sense, and. James Gunn doing Guardians of the Galaxy, his kind of crazy 
out there humor and and knack for for somehow making the most ridiculous situations work on screen yeah. usually is is a good is a good match but out of all those movies coming out in the Marvel movies the one i am least worried about is Iron Man 3 yeah it is he's he's probably out of that bunch the the the, the character i'm least into yeah. i like i like Robert Downey Jr and i like Tony Stark and i think he's fantastic and and it's he's one of the Avengers, one of the key Avengers. With any if he, any one of those characters was removed, it would take away from the team. Without Iron Man, there would be the no first Marvel, Iron Man yeah. movie. There wouldn't be a Marvel Cinematic Universe. No, there wouldn't. Because um, let's be honest, as much as I love it, Incredible Hulk wasn't exactly drawing people to the theater. So, yeah. um, but no, I, I mean, this is the one that I'm I'm least worried about, and yeah. it's not because this is the character I'm I'm least into. It's because I feel like it's in like perfect hands. Yeah. I really do. I very rarely do I feel this good about a specific director being attached to a specific project. Yeah. So that's cool. After after like the franchise has been started. Yeah, yeah. Um the only thing I'll say about it real quick, uh I was I was worried when when people started seeing the uh the first trailer and seeing some of Shane Black's initial comments about it being a bit of a darker Iron Man. But really seeing tonight like after rewatching kiss kiss bang bang how dark the movie gets but yet how funny it is i think it's going to be a very very cool dynamic to an iron man film that we haven't seen before Mm -hmm. like all we've heard is like tony stark is going to be get knocked down a peg in this film and i think that's a very interesting place to put him and the fact that robert downey jr's wit which is basically been taken from the movie and put into the comic now uh seeing that that will come through even though the story gets a little more personal Mm -hmm. i'm all for it so and it's 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 taking the character of tony stark who is a very witty character to begin with and putting him through horrible situations that might be very dark yeah you know um but him finding the humorous element and all the horrible stuff that's going on. It's, it's, it's like a John McClane scenario. Yeah. Somehow John McClane makes you laugh despite the fact that his life is being destroyed in every <laughs> film he's in. Yep. So that's what I'm hoping for from this. Yeah. I want to feel for him, but I also want to be able to laugh at this horrible situation he's got himself into. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we'll move on to a pretty quick food for thought. Uh, so you kind of had one that you think is in the vein of what we've been talking about. Yeah, well, I mean, RDJ has had... Robert Downey Jr. I'm going to go with RDJ on this one. I'm going to use the Mac Cool. I'm so hip. Um, he's had a heck of a comeback, and, and partially because of the Iron Man franchise, and then the first stepping stone we talked about is, is Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah. So another example... Give me another example of an actor that really has made a, an amazing comeback. Maybe not from the addiction... But <laughs> yeah, I'm just from falling out of the public eye. Uh, the one that you thought for me that that I had to rack my brain and then couldn't even come up with would be uh, Neil Patrick Harris, which you know it, it's it's refreshing because he's one of the few child stars that maybe left the limelight, actually went back to his somewhat normal life and tried to get you know educated and and whatnot, and then continued on back into acting Mm -hmm. uh how i met your mother has been a big part of him shifting back into the public eye and i it's a fantastic thing because he's extremely talented in every single way Mm -hmm. and it's just it's 
very cool to see him back. And 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 I mean Harold and Kumar. Yeah, that, that, and Harold and Kumar was was a was certainly the the beginning stepping stone. That was a huge, huge reinvention for him. Yeah, you know he was no longer the little kid, no. little dorky kid no. on Doogie, Doogie Howser. He was like a badass. Yep. So <laughs> and and somewhat of a comedic force as well, mm-hmm. which I'm sure got him part of How I Met Your Mother. So, uh, the other one that I had kind of thought of was uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who did the same kind of thing. He was in Third Rock from the Sun. He kind of stepped away a little bit and and went. I think he went to college and he actually, you know, got his degree and whatnot. And then he wanted to come back into film. And not only has he gone on to do uh, awesome things in many different movies, including Five Hundred Days of Summer, uh, Inception, Inception, The Dark Knight Rises, uh, Hesher. <laughs> I love that Hesher. movie. I Hesher. love that movie. Uh, but he also has gone on to he he his first. Uh, movie that he directed uh don juan's addiction or don john's addiction was just at uh sundance and got picked up and it's gonna be distributed to that's theaters. cool and he's also got hitrecord.org which is this crazy big like crowdsourcing things art and and music and and scenery for for like movies that you can put together with like a creative commons license it's very cool so but yeah those two those two child actors are, are pretty big but what what do you got? Um, Mickey Rourke. Yeah, I mean Mickey Rourke was actually had a similar thing to Robert Downey Jr. With I mean he, from what I gather, he battled some pretty nasty yeah demons and and he made that first stepping stone stepping stone back, which was Sin City. Yep. Um, I mean it didn't you know not everybody saw that movie by any means or anything, but that was the first step back, and then The Wrestler and yeah. The Wrestler people really took note of the fact that he was back on there in there unfortunately it seems like he needs another <laughs> another comeback now another but shot in the arm. it was very cool for a while there to see see him you could tell he was excited about being a part of hollywood again yeah and yeah. It, it makes you feel good um we both talked about patrick dempsey yep i mean obviously the guy went from um can't buy me love which yep. was a, actually a really cool 80s romantic comedy so if you haven't seen it watch it disappeared played he played the nerdy guy disappeared and came back as like Mr. Ultimate Sex Symbol Surgeon. Well, but he was even like a teen heartthrob beforehand. Which I didn't realize. Yeah. Um, but he, he, I mean, he was like the quintessential nerd in that movie, I remember. And I was like, this guy's awesome. He was I, on a TV show, was totally, I totally feel like I get this guy. Um, Let me take And then, like I said, he came back and he's, I mean, you know, he's probably ending his run on Grey's at some point soon. Yeah, soon. Because um, who isn't ending their run on Grey's? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can only play the surgeon for so long i guess but um yeah he became a real i mean a huge huge sex symbol he was on the fast times tv series that's right the fast yeah the fast times at richmond high series yeah that's interesting and and um, from there he kind of became a somewhat of a teen heartthrob and, and he, he did some really strange stuff he did some like very random you know, crap and whatnot he shows up in scream three for like 10 seconds yeah he had and, some really random... And, and I mean, what's funny is Joseph Gordon-Levin and MPH both had one random movie that I can think of yeah. during their hiatus. Neil Patrick Harris had Starship Troopers. And yep. I was like, what is Doogie House yeah. doing in this movie? And then um, <laughs> uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt did Halloween H2O. And he gets an ice skate to the face in the first five seconds. Yeah. And I was like, is that Third Rock from the Sun, kid? <laughs> um, is that that girl that was on Third Rock from the yeah, Sun? Yeah, I thought that was a girl. Um, <laughs> no. Um, and then uh, John Travolta. 
Yeah. Which is which is one that I wish I had thought of that you pointed out. You pointed out. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the internet pointed it out for us. Well, but. you know, uh, Travolta. I mean, he did Saturday Night Fever. Yep. And With um, an amazing BG soundtrack. I uh, well, mention. of course, uh, but of course. <laughs> um, and a couple, a few more. I mean, I did a few more movies. There. I mean, he did yeah. Blowout, which was a, a, actually kind of a bit of a cult classic, and uh, the sequel, which was um, Staying Alive. Yeah. Before um, that, he did uh, The Boy in the Bubble. Yep. Yep. And he did it. So he did a few films that were yeah. relatively well recognized, but none more so than Grease and Saturday Night Fever. I don't think. Yeah. Those are the big ones. Disappeared, and then Tarantino basically rediscovered him. Absolutely. Pulled him into Pulp Fiction, and the rest is history. Yeah. Whether you like it or not. <laughs> I mean, I'm not the hugest Travolta fan, but he's put in some really cool performances since yeah. he's made his comeback. And yeah. I mean, he's still relatively in the in the spotlight. I yeah, mean, somewhat. I mean, he's settled down a bit. With the movies, I mean, he he usually only makes maybe one a year, and he's still in, like the Wild Hogs kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think he's trying to find a, another reinvention. I th- I think he's at that point now. Yeah. And it happens. I mean, you know, every once in a while you gotta change up the image. But he yeah. he when when Pulp Fiction came out, I mean, I was I was just a little in, but I remember people were like Travolta's back. Oh yeah. You know, and his dancing oh, yeah. scene, the women were like, oh my god, he yep. can still dance. Yeah. It's just so funny. <laughs> Still, still making the panties drop after all those years. <laughs> yeah, well, if anybody can do it, John Travolta can do it. The Travolta can do it. <laughs> all right, uh, I think that's about it. Um, we'll go through the normal stuff. Uh, feedback at midwestfilmnerds.com if you want to give us questions or comments or tell us your thoughts on things. Uh, uh, give us some food for thought questions that we can go through that we haven't done yet. That kind of thing would be pretty cool. Uh, our podcast network twitter feed is midwest pod at midwest Podnet. uh i usually go on there and uh if i see a news story that we're going to talk about i usually put it out there and ask people's fe- uh, feedback so i can also you know bring some of that into the show uh i'm at john d1703 we got at hemowiliak for willie uh at nick blauvelt for nick um and at tim long i think for tim but uh some of us don't tweet that often, other of us do. Me, not, not so much. Yeah, but uh, maybe we can get into it. Um, thanks to my brother, Aunt Mr. John, on Twitter for both artwork and uh, music, as always. Uh, we regret not being able to bring up Kyle XY, but once again... I really thought it was going to happen this time. Yeah, maybe next time. But, uh, hey, you know, go watch a movie, and if it's Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, well then, you're in this movie. <laughs>
Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I'm... <laughs> You're Willie? Are you? Are you sure about that? Who are you, Alex? Who am I? Oh, man. I was seriously about to say I'm Willie. You started saying it. <laughs> I mean, I know Nick's not here. <laughs> we, can't, we can't do a fucking podcast without, <laughs> without a third person. <laughs> we can't do it. Oh, boy. Oh, okay. this is shameful. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay.